0: Hey guys, it's Bruce. Welcome to Combo Courses podcast. We do this once a week, sometimes twice a week. Where we talk about anything regarding GRC, governance, risk, and compliance, cybersecurity, information security, information assurance—that's kind of stuff we talk about. We can also talk about how to get into this market. This is all coming from the perspective of somebody who's been doing this for over 20 years, um, specifically with security for the public sector and the private sector meaning for uh, companies out there who trade have traded stock out there you know fortune 500 companies but also with the government department of defense nasa and other organizations in the u.s government so if you have any questions about getting into cybersecurity, this is a great opportunity to ask questions about how to get into i.t and security i've been doing this for quite some time so um it's open topics. So I don't have any kind of agenda or anything like that. Um, normally, I'll just get on here and answer questions from YouTube, from LinkedIn, from TikTok, from you name it. Questions come in, I will answer them. But since I got nobody asking questions, I'll just go ahead and answer some questions from YouTube. Got a bunch of comments from YouTube and i tend on i'm I'm gonna address each one of these in their own video hey linkedin user how you doing i'm going to be answering okay here i got a question here peter says um do you do you do everything from physical network security to application uh software security um so not I wouldn't say like I'm. I'm really weak on software security. Um, physical security is a strong suit for me. Physical security, network security, um, security uh, policies, frameworks, compliance, um, governance, risk. Um, those things I'm I'm mostly proficient on. But uh, I, I am weak on certain things. Like I'm I'm pretty weak on like application security. I just don't know a lot about it. Um, I've done a little bit of it, but not, not enough to like get a job in doing that, just that cloud. I'm pretty weak on cloud, which is pretty pathetic since everything's going to cloud. I mean, I really got sharpened on my skills on cloud in general, cloud security, because every everything, every the last three jobs has been cloud stuff. Um, it's a huge field. It's a huge, 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 huge field. So for me to sit here and say, oh, I know everything. No, I really don't. So um, I'm weak on uh, cryptography. So I don't know anything about cryptography. I mean, except I know like the difference between RSA and Delphi, Delphi Hellman or something like that. Uh, more importantly, I know where to find the resources for that stuff. And I'm not a crypto guy, um, crypto cryptography guy. Uh, pen testing. Um, I know some stuff. But I'm not like you wouldn't hire me as a lead for pen testing, but I could I could I could manage it. My strong suits are compliance and cybersecurity analyst work. So those are two things that I could just hit the ground. If I if they put me in a company somewhere and that's what I did, I could I could really help them out. So but if they put me in a job doing uh, software security, nah, I'm not I'll I'll be learning a lot of stuff. I'll be a journeyman. So. <laughs> so um how you guys doing appreciate everybody jumping in there Navi how you doing man oh wow what Navi says I'm I'm out at defcon this week network networking is super important and it's good to see folks in uh, in person occasionally yeah absolutely how is defcon these days how's it I, I was really thinking about going one one of these days but I just I mean, I haven't been there in, in like, damn, it must be nine, eight years or something like I've been there twice. I've been to one of the first ones. And then. How is it like, how, how is, it, is it still terrifying? What's the cost now? When I first went, it was one hundred dollars and it was in Alexis Park. And then the second time I went, it was like three hundred dollars or something. And it was in a different place, the, the Bellagio or something. I can't remember where it is. So where is it located now? Are they talking about AI? They must be talking about AI a lot. That must be the, the new technology. Every time there's a new te- breakthrough, hackers are all over it, man. They're just attacking it. DEF CON, if you didn't know, is a, a hack- it's the biggest hacker convention in the world, from, from my understanding. And you've got all the $460. Okay, well, DEF CON is crazy this year, very crowded and has increased to... Four hundred and sixty dollars. Oh man, damn! It must be crazy, I man. One of these days, I like to go. I don't want to go under a company name. I just want to go on my own. Whoa, August tenth, they moved it, huh? August tenth to the thirteenth. My man is there, so I got somebody right now. Is at DEFCON. Um, so is it still at? Where is it at? Where's the lowest? still in Las Vegas, right? Uh, the AI, the AI village was too packed to enter. Wow. That said, you know, the thing is that Caesars Forum and Flamingo, Link and Flamingo, it's at three locations. Damn, man, it's gotten so huge. And people from all over the world, the feds, private sector, all of them go there to go check it out. And what I've learned from what I've seen over the years, some of the biggest breakthroughs in vulnerabilities and threats will will be make themselves known in defcon uh either a speaker will address it or or it'll be on the floor somebody doing it so like a lot of times some of the biggest threats and vulnerabilities come out of there so it'll be interesting to see what comes out in ai this year the fact that the ai portion is packed is very telling it's it's very very telling it's chilling it's that means what let me just tell you my perspective. it means that a lot of tools and threats and vulnerabilities are gonna come as an as a result of AI and it just makes sense. AI is insanely powerful um, it's insanely powerful so it's gonna be. It's going to be interesting what happens um, in the coming years with with cyber, specifically with cybersecurity and how the tools evolve and how the whole how the whole landscape changes with it. Um, yeah, I miss DEFCON, man. I, I can't wait to go back there just to get, just to walk through. You know, I don't want to do any work or anything. I just want to kind of go through and geek out over some of the cybersecurity stuff and, and be terrified of uh, of what's coming next. It's it's always so I Amaz- mean, the people are the most intriguing and the most terrifying of the whole thing <laughs> um, on scene reporting from Vegas. <laughs> if you come make a plan to link up with some experienced folks. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Maybe I'll do a like a combo courses meet up there or something like that. We just meet up and geek out, walk around, make short clip videos or something like that. That'd be kind of cool. Um, let me see. Let me see here. I got some stuff on more TikTok stuff. stuff. Um, just my two cents. If you don't have if you don't punch down and crimping tools, you haven't really done physical security. Our <laughs> app, our app security or app, app sec jobs possible. Uh, for new grads. Um, maybe an app sec. I'm not going to say no haven, but maybe an app sec uh, internship might be a good entry level. Like if you have no experience. Um, internship from college as a graduate, you have a lot of opportunities for internships and apprenticeships where you can start off with the company. Either they'll hire you after a certain amount of period of time. And But the thing is, you can put that on your resume, even if they're not paying you much or not paying you at all. It's, it's really an investment in your future. So I would do like an internship or something like that. And they're looking for people, especially if you have that skill, you know how you have that degree and you're willing to do that, that uh, internship. Then, yeah, but I would say typically they're looking for people who are more experienced. You know, like AppSec, they're usually looking for somebody with like five, six years of experience. I'm not saying that you can't get the job, but realistically, they're usually looking for somebody with more experience for those job types of jobs. That's a very specialized job. That said, you could probably still get an internship or something like that. Thoughts on CCNA. CCNA. So I took it. It was one of my first certifications. CCNA, when I was really, really into network engineering, um, I took the CCNA and it was very useful to me back then. Back then, it was a lot easier. Um. It, was like, it wasn't interactive. It was just a written test. Now it's like interactive. You got to log into a router and all kind of crap um, and do backups and, and all that. And then it's like, it, it adapts to you. And like, if you miss this question, it'll just keep asking the same kind of questions that you got wrong. <laughs> it's way harder now. Uh, my thoughts on it is a really good, it's probably, it's, it's one of the best, most marketable network certifications i say that because everybody everybody in networking knows what ccna is i can't say the same thing about um was the the juniper equivalent i don't even know off the top of my head what the juniper equivalent is like jnp or jcna i I don't jp and i don't remember what it is but ccna everybody knows what that is so it's, it's really marketable um ccna really tells people that you know your stuff you didn't just brain dump it if you took the ccna you you know you you have a very good understanding of how to navigate and back up a a router and or switch so ccna is fire it's one of the top certifications because it's just no well known very marketable and it's a really good step to a professional level cert. It's not considered a professional level cert, but it's very hard. The first time I took it, I passed it. It helped me out quite a bit, get jobs. The second time I took it, I failed it. So <laughs> it got much, much harder, much, much harder. Uh, so yeah, CCNA is, is a really good certification. That's my thoughts on it. And if you're trying, if you're thinking about doing it and you're a network person and you plan on staying a network person, then I would I would highly recommend CCNA for for marketability's sake. What are your thoughts on secure cybersecurity consulting? Um so cybersecurity consulting is something I did a couple times. I've done it part-time I've done like some part-time gigs doing cybersecurity consulting and then I did it at my when I worked at Verizon I did it for about three years and I I, I really liked it it was really it was really great um it was it was on on one i'll just tell you a couple things that that i learned like i didn't i had no idea i knew so much until people were asking me things and like i just i would just know stuff and i'm like oh yeah back in 1996 i did you know <laughs> so um that was surprising um you're expected to know like you're they're really hiring you for your like knowledge base with with consulting um they're they're expecting to come in with like old salty dog experience and then and then say, "Well, I I suggest you go this way." I was kind of surprised that they didn't, sometimes the client wouldn't listen, and it was very frustrating, but I would just get out of my feelings if they don't listen, that's up to them, you know. I'm just I'm consulting them. I'm just telling them, "Hey, this is what you should do, but you don't have to do anything I say." You know what I mean? I mean, I don't, I don't say that, but I just tell them, "Here's Here's what you should do, and here's why you should do it. And it was backed up by data. And then the re- really great things, if you're in a great organization, like I was in a great organization, so they ha- they gave us the infrastructure. So even if you weren't in for 20 years, if you were in for like, you know, if you were just sharp, a sharp dude and you were in for only three years, they gave you all the tools and everything that you needed to to be successful. So and all the data, like they would, you wouldn't just go into a meeting with a, C, a CEO or CIO or something without b- something to back up your your claims or back up your suggestions. You come in with like a risk report. You come in with scans, uh, analyzed, broken down so that they know here's what you should focus on. Here's the top priority stuff. Here's you come in with threat analysis type stuff to say, okay, in your industry, here's the thing that's attacked the most, and here's where you should focus your time because. We know that retail stores are being attacked with phishing attacks like that. And then you say, here's here's where you guys are with your phishing campaign and here's where you should focus. You do stuff like that. Right. It will be backed up by data so that by the time the ending the, the meeting was done, they what can they say? Like you just show them all the data so they they're not arguing with you. They're not taking your word for it. Only they're taking they're looking at the data and I. I was just lucky enough to have a group of people who, a program that focused on the data uh, and was results driven so that you would just show them their own. You would show their, you would look at, you take their baby and like, see, your baby's ugly. See, as you could see, there's a, you know, <laughs> you could explain it by data. You know, you would, it would be there. So consulting was great. Like, I, if I ever do it again, probably i do it on my own. Like for those one offs were were for me more fun. I would do like information security stuff for like small companies and I would do it for like three months or four months or whatever. That for me, that was way more. It was less stress and stuff. It was really cool. Thanks for the for the hearts and stuff, guys. I appreciate it here on TikTok. Uh, If you guys didn't know, I'm on TikTok. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. And I do these once a week. I'm not going to be on here too long today, but I do these once a week, sometimes twice a week. And I'm just it's just open topics. Any questions that you have from an insider? I'm a cybersecurity guy. I'm an I'm an author. I wrote a whole bunch of cybersecurity books. If you're interested in that, I've got courses and stuff. I just put them out there. Just put this information out there for free, like tons and tons of information for free. If you go on Combo Courses, um, Combo Courses YouTube channel. That's where most of my stuff is. But also, my site, combocourses.com, has a lot of stuff you want to deep dive. If you're more serious about this craft and you're like trying to go deeper, then go to combocourses.net, combocourses.com, and then you'll see like discounts on courses. And maybe there's some free stuff you can try to, you know, like mess around with it, see if this is something you want to do. Um, But uh, let me see. How much does it cost to attend? How much does it, I'm assuming you mean the DEFCON. So DEFCON, we were talking about this earlier. DEFCON is the largest hacker convention on planet Earth. Started in like the late, early 90s, mid 90s by a dude named Jeff Moss, um, who was this 14 year old hacker. He was a a teenager, a young teenager um, who, who started in like the 90s. And this dude went on to like, I mean, not only found DEFCON, but um, I think he worked for one of the presidential, um, I think he worked for the Obama administration, if I'm not mistaken. Like, the dude's no joke. Like, mad Flowers, to that guy, he's a brilliant dude. He's a coordinator. You know, he's a doer. He's an action taker. So that guy, like, look him up. His name is Jeff Moss, um, incredible dude, and, and surrounded by a bunch of incredible, brilliant minds. Um, There's people in there who are stars um, who go there or who are very well respected from the government, from the public sector. And they go and they talk about different threats and vulnerabilities and things. Very important. And it tends to make the news after you'll notice like right after DEF CON ends, ends on the 13th. It's it's in Las Vegas. It ends on the 13th. What you'll notice is like all of these different news articles will start coming out about these threats and vulnerabilities from from Microsoft, from Cisco, from all the major players, uh, HP, uh, Android, phones, Apple, all of these different things will start popping out, uh, starting now. And all this stuff, a lot comes from DEFCON, all these people all coming together, all these industry greats from cybersecurity all come together and they just share, you know, share thoughts on different threats and stuff. And once they start talking, You find out sometimes the threats are much worse or not as bad or there's certain patches or something that can fix it. And it's a way to kind of keep the industry straight. And it's a way to get on top of the bleeding edge of cybersecurity um, on all fronts, not just not just hacking, by the way, but it goes into compliance. It goes in. I'm sure it's going to talk about AI and all these other emerging technologies and stuff. But how much does it cost to attend is cash at the door right now is four hundred and sixty dollars according to Navi. Um, and then there's another one, like I think back to back either before it or after it called the black hat. And that one's like two thousand dollars. Normally, that's a company that's a B2B type function where companies will send their people there to do to t- attend that one. The black, The black hat's pretty important, too, but it's more in line with the industry. And they're not trying to like ruffle feathers, whereas DefCon doesn't give a damn. They don't give a damn, man. Which you you got to have that checks and balances. So the closer you can get to the to the black hat portion of the of cybersecurity, I think the better we can we can secure our, our organizations and our own data, our own personal private information. Now he says if if the attendance fee was too is too expensive there are usually volunteer opportunities to waive the fees Um, some organizations also give scholarships are you talking about are you talking about defcon or black hat or both because a lot of times the black hat and the defcon they all have like these joint functions well like companies what they'll do is they'll send their people to black hat and to to defcon back to back because there's so much information there there's so much to get out of it so it's, it's really if you have if you're a cybersecurity person you've never been you got to go at least once only thing i would say is whatever technology you take with you make sure it's secure <laughs> don't do your fucking taxes there um don't take any private information <laughs> don't. be careful because um it's dangerous man they're they're hacking each other like it's 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 dangerous. I wouldn't be nowhere near that area if you're not a hacker. During what days is it? From August 10th to the 13th. And he says it's at Caesar's Palace in Flamingo. I would not be anywhere near those places. I wouldn't use any of the ATMs. I wouldn't use any of them. The, the uh, networks in the in the hotels. None of that. Use use your own hotspot or something, man. Don't use their local networks. Don't don't chance it very dangerous very very dangerous oh navi says a volunteer stuff for defcon only um from direct knowledge oh okay that's awesome man i didn't know that um let me see somebody says ccna is great but the real target is a ccie ccie is the cci is not the real target man <laughs> what? CCIE is one of the hardest certifications of all times. Not everybody's going to do that one. That's an invent- expert level, advanced certification that costs. I remember one time I talked to one of my my old uh, network engineering buddies, and he was, and I he was a CCNP, which is a professional level cert, which is pretty hard. And I said, "Hey, man, are you going to take the CCIE?" And he just looked at me like I was a dumbass. He's like. He's like, man, people don't, you don't just wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to take the CCIE. Oh. <laughs> it's, he was, he said, it's hella hard, hella hard. It's expensive. It's like $2,000. There's only a few places on earth you can take it. There's a practical exam, a, a written exam. Anybody can walk off the street and take it. But They're like, I dare you. I I double dare you to come take this. It's like taking the bar. Come in off the street and take this if you want to. There's no, like, CISSP has a bar. Like, you have to have three, four, five years of experience or something, and somebody has to endorse you. And the reason why they do that is because they're trying to make it so that only people with experience can come in. But CCIE is so arrogant. They say, look, I don't care who you are. Just walk in, take the test. I fucking dare you. I fucking dare you to take this test. That's what they're saying so it's <laughs> cci is no joke man no joke um that said you can you can do it go for it i dare you <laughs> uh, let me see here um uh, got more ccn ccna or network plus ccna um, if you're start okay working working curr- currently working as an ISP net installer so if you're starting off network plus like if you don't know nothing about networking and you just really are very green at IT and you don't you don't feel like you're tech savvy you just want to understand the basics network plus just to learn just to start it off and then after you feel comfortable, if you if you're not entry level, like you don't need to take the A the, the the CompTIA Plus, or the CompTIA Network Plus. If you're not green, if you're not coming off the, you know, the super new, don't don't worry about those. If you if you're if you're not new, like if th- that's for people who are very very new to IT in general. But if that's you, yeah, go ahead, go for it. Take the Network Pluses. You know, it's not a most marketable certification in the world, but it's going to teach you some stuff. Um, it's it's very very uh, <laughs> it's very low level for a networker for networking, uh, network engineering. CCNA though, um, that's the target right there for entry level type. People want to level up, then yeah, that's where you want to go. I think there's a certification in within Cisco because it's a vendor level cert. The CCNA is a vendor level cert. That's another kind of a bad thing about it. But there's a there's a cert before you get to the CCNA. So you might even want to take that instead of the Network Plus. So, but ISP uh, tech installer, you it that job lends itself to do network engineering. So you're you're thinking you're going in the right direction with your thinking there because that you're already connecting people directly to the physical, like you're physically connecting people to the network, and now you're gonna you're gonna start learning about the the logical breakdown of network um, that of the networks. So, all right, let me see who else we got here. More questions, more comments. Um, Nobby says, "Hacked folks end up on the wall of sheep. Redacted credentials get <laughs> get posted." <laughs> Yeah. So what Navi's talking about is when you go to DEF CON, they have something called the wall of sheep. And it's for people who don't secure their wireless. They use WEP, um, don't secure their password. They, they're, they're using the same password over and over again. And they're using very, very easy passwords. They're not securing their ports on their system. Um, they're disconnecting to any wireless out there and giving their credentials away. Um, They're going to put in secure information on on sites that don't have uh, TLS, any kind of encryption on them, Uh, doing their banking uh, at an unencrypted location in places like DEFCON. And what happens is hackers are constantly they don't even have to do anything. They'll write a script that finds you. That's how crazy it is. They have a, a bot. That'll sit somewhere. They'll hide it somewhere, and then it'll just collect data, right? And it'll gather gather as much information as it can from, let's say, people connecting to a, a a network hotspot that they think is Starbucks, and it'll and they're putting their credentials in, and it's grabbing all those credentials, and it's posting on, on something called a wall of sheep. The wall of sheep is like this big ten foot display that they put in the middle of the room. That has everybody that they, they've hacked at the convention. And when when I was there, they hacked somebody doing their taxes at the convention, and they put the dude's taxes on the wall. They they redacted the guy's credentials. They didn't put a social security number. They took all the you know his actual name out. And but they said, hey, look, this dude's doing his taxes here. Ha 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 ha! <laughs> they laughed at the guy. I mean, it's brutal, man. It's 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 a cold world and um it's harsh is learning cybersecurity hard um it i think it depends on where where you're coming from with it i'd say if if you're coming from out of this from scratch like if you don't know like you're not a geek you're not you work in retail you worked in the restaurant hotel industry, you don't know anything about this, but you're intrigued, right? Um, it's going to be a long road. It's going to be a long, it's going to, and when you first start, there's a really big learning curve because you got to learn information technology first and all the terminology. And a thing is, is, when you first start, it feels, it feels like they're speaking another language because there's all of these acronyms and there's all of this all this jargon and stuff. And it's the only way for us to talk to each other. Like when you're very technical, it's the only way to explain what's going on. I mean, you have to make words to actually explain this stuff. And those are the words. So you have to learn all that terminology, those words, those acronyms. You have to learn that. So the learning curve is really steep. And then the concepts as well. I wouldn't, it's it's not like there's a couple of things that I say that are really are difficult. Like not everybody can really do it uh programming is not it's really not for everybody right it's just not um what else i would say uh hardcore mathematics i would say is not it's just not for everybody like everybody's not gonna get that everybody's nice it's, it's like learning a hard language like chinese like it's just not like everybody's not gonna ever they're not gonna get there Um, They can try. They can learn some of the basics. You can learn Ni how you can learn, you know, the basics of code or whatever. But you're probably not going to be the best coder in the world. You know what I mean? (laughs) But cybersecurity and information technology is such a broad field that you it has something for everybody. You've got customer service. You've got uh, compliance, which is what I do. Um, You've got. Um, you've got different levels and layers of of uh of vulnerability uh, management. You've got you've got uh, different levels of pen, penetration testing. Um, you've got you've got so it's such a broad field that there's something for everybody. So, on 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 a whole, it'd be like me asking you, is learning healthcare uh the healthcare industry difficult well it depends on whether you're trying to be a an anesthesiologist or a, a certified nursing assistant you know there's there's levels to this and that's the same thing I say about IT and cybersecurity. it's a very broad field so if you ask me if it was hard to be a cryptography a cryptographer you know so somebody who actually creates crypt, crypto or crypto analyst somebody who breaks down who has to crack the code On crypto and encryption, encryption, that's hella hard. It's hella hard. You gotta know all kind of math proofs and stuff. It's hella hard. Um, if you ask me if um compliance, cybersecurity compliance is hard, I would say what the hard part is not the technical part for us because we don't have to go super deep. Um the hard part is dealing with assholes. That's the hard for me. The the hard part is dealing with different attitudes and people. With Not all assholes, but being able to communicate with people at different tiers of the organization, meaning um, I have to talk to a customer today. I have to approach them in a different way than I would have to talk to a technical engineer. I might have to come do my homework before I talk to this technical engineer because they're going to want me to be very specific with them and tell them exactly what needs to be fixed. And then I have to talk to a, C- a CEO or CIO. That person, they want to get to the point. They got stuff to do. They are they're they got a fiduciary responsibility of the company. They got other bigger things. So when I go and talk to them, I got to be like very quick and very to the point and give them an executive summary. And then if I talk to a manager, you know, manager wants to know, okay, how's everything going? How are we running? How are things going? You know, so there's, I have to learn how to speak to each of these people. And the hard part is like dealing with different, attitudes so is it hard it really depends on where you're coming from um where you're at right now technically and then where you're trying to get into um somebody said hi thanks for the info what do you have to say about risk management framework i have a lot to say about risk management framework that's my ex that's my main expertise is risk management framework specifically for the NIST 800 working with federal organizations that's my off the top of my head i could teach you right now how to do it i could i could teach you how to get into it i could teach you um, if you're an information security officer i could teach you that i've just been doing it for a very long time for different organizations um so i know a lot about it if you want to know more about it uh, go to my youtube channel and i've got tons of stuff there about risk management framework in particular and um, it's talking about NIST 837, breaking it down, the old one and the new one. I'm talking about the NIST 853, um, the new one and the old one. I'm talking about um, um, what you do as an information systems security officer and what the what are the tasks that you would normally do, a plan of action, a milestone. I'm talking about all that stuff, all all that stuff. So I know a lot about risk management framework. Actually, I've got a couple courses on it. For those who are serious, I've got um, tons of material on how to get into this career field. If you happen to already be an IT person and want to do frameworks, then yeah, I've got quite a bit. Joseph, how you doing, sir? Appreciate you stopping in. Uh, let me see. I've been interested in there for a while. Man, try it. Jump in there. Just try, try it out. Mess around with it. You might, you might love it. You won't know unless you try, though. Tyler, what I would suggest, though, if you're trying to if you're trying to get into this cybersecurity in particular, you're going to have to start off with information technology. So that's where you should start. If you really know nothing, I always encourage people to go to my first certification, which is a CompTIA plus. A+ because it's going to teach you a lot of the terminology. And after you get through that curriculum of learning that stuff, you'll know whether you want to do this or not, because it might not be for you. You might get halfway through a book and be like, this is I, this is ridiculous. I don't want to do this anymore, you know. So I would start there. Mr. Umar says, Hi, any advice for someone who doesn't have the money for search but has skills, auditing, and risk work and has documentation of learning the skills, for example, a blog and a YouTube channel? I would say if you have the skills you you wanting to get into this field. Um, number one, you should. You should um, well, you already have a YouTube channel. Um, hmm, what could you do? What could you do from here? Tighten up your resume is what I would say. So if you have the skills. And um, do you, do you have experience? If you if you have the experience and the skills, but you maybe you don't have the certs or the degree tighten up your resume and what i would do is i'll tighten up my resume and i would try to get a a job to build up more experience and once i got a job um and i'll go into how you can do that in a second but once i got in i would work on building myself up while i was in the organization i'd get a certificate i'd get the applicable certifications if they sometimes the organization is willing to pay for your search or your degree so but even if they're not while you're getting paid i would start building up my certificate i would use my money to invest in myself and and start building up my uh my certs or my degree that's what i would do now how do you get in this field is a bigger question that's a, that's a big one um so what i did was it's a numbers game it's a, it's a there's a law of averages and you play that by by putting up numbers. What I mean is, you get your resume. You put first number is as many keywords as possible on your resume. What I mean by that is, whatever field in cybersecurity you're going into, if it's compliance, if it's pen testing, it's a if it's cybersecurity analyst work, whatever it is, each one of those has their own keywords, and you want to put that stuff in your resume. Now, if you're curious of where to find those one simple trick is to go to linkedin and type in let's say you're looking for information system security officer work type that in information system security officer or isso look for people look for their resume the top resumes are the ones you want to look at now some of these people are going to put their whole resume out there i do it myself look at their resume it'll show you why they're number one because they will have a ton of keywords in there copy the rhyme with what they're trying to do. I'm not telling you to copy exactly what they're trying to do if you've never done that stuff before. I don't I don't encourage people to line the resume because where you're really going to shine is the interview where you're going to kill the interview and get in the job and kill that job too. Um and that you can't do that with lying. You know, I mean I guess some people can, but I'm not trying to um have you con people. I'm trying to put I'm trying to my the way that I did it was to put myself um, will line myself up with organizations that match my skill set. That's that's what I did. And so that's what I'm encouraging you to do. It's just smoother. It's less stressful and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, numbers. It's a numbers game. Put as many keywords for that field. And this will work with anything. If you're a nurse, if you're a lawyer, whatever, it will work with any of this stuff, what I'm trying to tell you to do. Get the keywords, put those on your resume, right? Try to fit those on your, your resume somehow. You don't have a degree, you're working on a degree, put that under education and put that working on bachelor's degree at university of whatever, you know, that works. Um, and, and if people are telling you that doesn't work, man, I mean, I literally got selected for a job just doing that, that thing. I put C working on a CISSP on my, on one of my uh, resumes. And um, somebody called me, went in, did the interview and everything. And they said, look, we're looking for somebody with CISP. It says you're working on one. Do you think you could have one in six months? And I said, yes. Um, And I have a CISP now. That's a high level cybersecurity certification or it's a professional level certification. But I didn't have one at the time. So you can say working on whatever. So improve your resume. Put as many keywords on as possible. And the other Number game that you want to play is put your resume everywhere. Once you've tightened up your resume, you want to post it everywhere. You want to put it in LinkedIn and Dice and Monster in, I don't know, Career Jet, Simply Hired. If you don't have a job, your job should be applying for jobs. Um, And you want to be put it everywhere so that people find you. But also um, you want to be applying for jobs, like looking for jobs and applying, looking for jobs and applying, looking for jobs and applying. Um, another thing is use an ATS style resume. So, all of those things I recommend. If you want more guidance on that, you can download my resume for free. Going link in description below, link in uh in the if you're on TikTok, link in the, the uh profile. And I have my on my actual resume that I've been using to get all these jobs, I haven't updated in like a in like in a while, like a year. <laughs> so my current job's not on there, but it's, it's out there. And there's a bunch of templates that you can download for free. And it, it's it got the template that you need, ATS style, simple resume. And then it's got like the wording, how to word it, like with an action statement, using numbering and different kind of techniques you can use like that. So all that stuff's free. So that's what I would do if I were you. He said, "I have four years of experience in cybersecurity, but about a year of experience in GRC work." Yeah, then you're you're good, man. It's it's all about your resume at this point. It's your resume, man. There, look, I'm telling you, all I do is GRC stuff, and um, we can't find people, man. Like, we every job, this job I'm currently in, we we're always short-staffed. We don't we don't have enough people to do this work. Um. The last job I was in, um, the last job I was in, same thing. Yeah, same thing. We could not find people to do this work. Um, Another one was either you can't find people or you can't keep people. You can't keep people because they're always offered more money somewhere else. (laughs) They're always offered more money as soon as they get a certain skill set but they're gone. They're offered like 20,000 more somewhere else. Like you can't keep people and there's not enough people doing it and some of the jobs don't take foreign nationals. So that's and that's another thing. And now if you happen to be a foreign national, you can still get one of these jobs cuz Americans don't want to do this stuff, man. So they do not there's not Americans are not trying to be engineers, they're not trying to be mathematicians, they're not trying to be technologists. None of that. I don't know what's going on. They want to be Instagram stars. They want to be influencers. They want to be in more power to them. But I'm saying like all I'm saying is the market is starving for people like yourself who has a skill set. And um, you got to put it on your resume, though. You got to put what you do on your resume. OK, I got another question on YouTube. Someone said, what experience do I actually need to work as an, an information system security officer employee? What they're looking for uh is is somebody who knows frameworks they for the federal government the federal government they're looking for somebody who knows something called nist 837. if you happen to have like four years of cybersecurity experience or hell you have a couple years of help desk experience really um you could just go and read the nist 837 and you'll be familiar with it and you can put on your resume say familiar with NIST 800. You read it, you understand it. If they ask you the question, be like, yeah, I understand it. I read it. I I know how it was applied to organization. Um you can say stuff like that because it would be true. Um if, if it's true, then you know you want to put it on a resume. Anyway, so what kinds of things frameworks. They're looking for frameworks. Um a lot of times some of the tools that they're using well okay let's name a couple of frameworks. Besides NIST risk management framework, um, they're looking for if you have any experience with any of the Department of Defense frameworks and Defense Department of Defense just uses NIST 800. So if you know NIST 800 frameworks, you're in. If you know NIST cybersecurity framework, that's another one that they're looking for. If you know ISO 27001 framework, that one's so closely related to NIST 800 that sometimes they'll even take that. Um let me see. What other frameworks? Sometimes HIPAA, that's very specialized, like for healthcare industries within the federal government. So sometimes that, but typically the name, the main ones, top three is going to be NIST 800, NIST Cybersecurity Framework, CSF, ISO 27001 International Standard, because it's very closely. It, it looks a lot like NIST 800. If you can understand that one, you can understand NIST 800. Those are the top three ones, I would say. Um, tools, so tools they're looking for you to have, they typically want you to know a big one is, is GR is, um, content management systems. And a, a couple examples would be something called EMAS. There's one called ARC, uh, Archer. There's another one called Xacta. There's one called CSAM. They're, and these are all like acronyms. <laughs> But what what it is, is it's a centralized, like a database. It's a content management system. It looks real pretty. And you just put all of the stuff and you upload all the data into this content management system. And then that way your management can see it. The, the C-level execs can see it. The decision makers, the technical people can see it. Everybody can see where this stuff is being published and put together um, to track the, the uh Security posture of the system, cybersecurity background—that's uh, important. Some of the skill sets would be if you know some. Um, well, actually, let's go through more tools. Some more tools would be scanner devices. So, um, if you know any kind of um, any kind of scanners, vulnerability scanners, compliance scanners, Nessus, Tenable, Tenable Nessus, same same thing uh if you know qualis if you know um q radar it really any scanner that if especially if you've actually worked you've actually ran the scan or if you can analyze the scan data that's kind of what they're looking for um other tools for isos um i know i'm missing a couple sometimes they, they want you to know seam technology like splunk or arc um, or some of the other seam tools. Skills that they want you to know. Cybersecurity skills would be the ability to do um, assessments. If you've ever done any kind of assessments at all, audits on networks. Um, they, they really want you to know how to communicate with different levels of the organization. That's a really important skill that's really slept on. But when you go in an interview and you tell them you know how to do that and you've done it before, blows their minds blows their minds so if you happen to have you happen to be a program manager or some sort of management position you've done that before and you and now you know a little cybersecurity too yeah you're you're there the good chance they'll they'll try to choose you so those are the some of the tools those are some of the frameworks um any all your technical skills all your technical background is going to be very valuable like if you had uh If you had experience hardening Windows systems, Unix systems, Red Hat, Linux type systems, Mac OS, all of that is going to be very valuable to you because you're going to need that to speak to um, the organization as a whole as you're helping to manage vulnerabilities and things like that. So those are some of the skills. I mean, that's kind of just the tip of the iceberg, and it really depends um, on the job description, to be honest with you. Um, this is a quick one. So somebody said, Do you have to know Linux in GRC? You don't have to know it, but it's really good to know for any cybersecurity positions. Um, it's very, very, very good to know for any cybersecurity position. Um, I'm I'm on the fence about whether I'ma say you have to, you know what? I'm gonna say you have to know some Linux to do cybersecurity in general. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say you don't necessarily have to know Mac. Because if you know Linux, you know, you know the back end of Mac. So I'm gonna have I'm gonna go on record and say you you should know some, just like you should know some Windows, like you should know how Windows work. You should also know how Linux works if you do any cybersecurity. The reason here's the reason why I say this. Um, and that includes GRC, and I'll explain why. Reason why I say that is that most back end, the back end of most systems is Linux based. Um, Juniper routers and switches, Cisco routers and switches, Palo Alto firewalls, um, Cisco firewalls, a a lot of ATM devices, uh, actual ATM systems, uh gaming systems, uh, a lot of servers, back end of servers. Um All Linux based, all Linux based. And when I say you need to know Linux, like I would say, I would say you should be able to navigate simple Linux commands. You don't, I don't think you have to know necessarily like how to um, do scripting. Like you probably don't have to know Perl or Python or uh, go super deep in the scripting languages that you could use on Linux. But I would say you should probably know um, how to navigate and know, and know like how the infrastructure of that operating system is just like you would need to know something about the operating system of, of when. It's just Linux is like a fundamental part of what we do. And it's in the background all the time. And as a risk management framework person, as a GRC person, you find yourself exposed to it quite a bit. So you should know something about it, just like you know something about Windows. Like you, you can't sleep on it. You don't have to be a guru with it, but you should probably mess around with it if you don't know anything because it's going to come up over and over again. So that's, that's one of the primary technical things that you should know um, enough to at least navigate the back end. You should know command line interface. If you don't know what that is, Google it. CLI, command line interface of of. You should know the command line interface and how to navigate the back end of a Windows system and a Linux system. And um those those two at the very least. You should know that. Yeah. Because it comes up. It'll, it'll, it will come up as a as a cybersecurity person. Now there I've met people who are purely policy people and they didn't they weren't technical at all. And it depends on the job. Like there's jobs that are GRC based that. Because GRC is a very broad term. So governance, if you're purely a manager and a governance person and you're gonna just be managing people, you probably don't need to know Linux, man. <laughs> you know, you probably don't need to know if that's all you do. But if you're in a position where people are coming to you for advice on how to fix vulnerabilities and you have to go on, even if you go on Google and you're like, damn, how do you, how do you? Put this patch. What patch do we need? Which one? When you get to Linux, if you don't know nothing about it, it's gonna be very confusing. Very confusing. So, if you do risk the risk side and the compliant side of Linux of of computers in general, then you're probably gonna to have to know Linux at least how to. At least I would. If I were you, if you don't know anything, install it on one of your local systems. Like install it and play with it and then learn how to navigate. It will be very clunky in the beginning. Like you won't get it. It'll be very confusing. You have to learn stuff. Now they have so many resources these days. You could just watch a YouTube video, walk you right through it. But you should know something about it. Install it, navigate the back end of it, learn it as much as possible because it's in everything. It's it's on your Android. If you have an Android phone, it's based on Linux. If you have if you have any Apple devices, it's IO. I, I'm pretty sure Mac OS is based on Linux. I don't know about iOS, but the back end a lot of times is based on Linux. So let me answer some questions on TikTok. Appreciate the questions, by the way, guys. Well, a lot of questions on. Holy crap. How do I get started on. Wait, let me read this other question first. Citizen. Oh man, there's so many questions and comments and stuff. This is crazy. All right, let me try. I'm gonna go through this as fast as possible. (sighs) I completed my master's degree in cybersecurity technology since June, 2023, looking for an entry level job. So what I would do, Giles, is I would go to uh, Indeed on LinkedIn on Monster and I do the following search. Type in cybersecurity, just cybersecurity internship, cybersecurity apprenticeship. That's what I would do. You have a master's degree, so a lot of these apprenticeships and in, master in, uh and in apprenticeships they'll take they'll take you, um, they'll take you. All right, next one is um, I'm in cybersecurity and can't find a way out. Um, I'm in cybersecurity and can't find a way out. That's strange. Um, what are you trying to do i mean what else are you trying to do like i look into program management program management is is a nice segue from cybersecurity. to be honest with you do a pmp a project management uh certification i don't know the name of it but a p type in pmp and look into that project managers make really good money and then they don't have to be technical at all and a lot of times it's in line with engineering science and they're 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 in line with the processes of science and engineering and technical stuff. So I would I would look into that if I were you. And if you tell them your background is in cybersecurity, uh, I think a lot of them will will um, look highly on that. Um, how would I how should I get started in GRC? So GRC is a very very broad term grc stands for governance risk and compliance governance means like managing the information systems managing the assets um, managing all the documentations that go with it making sure the organization is in line with all the policies and protocols and, and serve in all the the procedures and policies that need to happen to make sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to do it's management so that part usually takes experience because they're looking for people to manage information systems security officers tend to be do some sort of management because they're they're in a meeting and they're facilitating all the security that's going on so it's a lot of some governance on the security side risk the r in the grc is is based off of people doing audits doing assessments it's doing scans, it's scan analysis, like looking at the data and saying, okay, is this a false positive? Is this Does this even apply to our system? What systems do we have? Lining it all up. And then C is compliance, and that's compliance officers. A lot of what I do is making sure that organization is in line with federal or state acts. Like for me, I have to make sure that they're in line with something called FISMA, which is a law... That a federal law. And um, that is in line with, um, has standards called NIST 800. So I'm making sure the organization is in line with those things. So, how do you get started in it? It depends on what lane you're trying to go into. So, I would learn a little bit more about GRC and where you want to line up in there. Another good keyword for you to type in would be um, information security. Jobs and in infor- If you type in jobs and information security, you'll find a bunch of GRC type positions. And you wanna look at the positions themselves and figure out where you wanna fit in. The very first step in all of this, once you figure out where you wanna go, is to learn information technology. It all starts from the baseline, which is information technology is the base. Everybody has to know it, myself included, from from the from the king who's on the top, the, C, the CIO, all the way down to the person who's coming in new, All of us have to know the basics of information technology. So that is where you start actually with GRC, especially when I do the technical side of the house. Um, When you say navigate the back end of Windows, what do you mean by that? Okay, so what I mean OVO is um, so if you go, if you're on Windows right now, if you happen to be on your Windows system um, and you type in, you go to your run command and you type in cmd you'll come up with this little black window and in fact I'll show you what I mean right here let me show my screen show my screen <laughs> I forgot to set this up in the beginning damn I'm slipping man slipping but I can I think I can switch it over on um so i'm on windows right here if you see this my screen on uh if you're on TikTok, that's my screen right there and that is a this is windows believe it or not this black screen is windows so see this right right here the reason why this is important is sometimes when you're troubleshooting a system and i I apologize i wish i could make this bigger for you but if you're troubleshooting a system, you might want to use a command like ping um 10.10.1.1 or something. And what it's doing is it's sending packets over to that system to even see if it's up. So but the the important thing is not the ping command. The important thing is this little prompt right here. Because the computer all this pretty stuff you see on the screen This is a GUI. It's a a graphical user interface. All this pretty, all this this stuff that's popping up, all this kind of stuff right here. It's just a a graphical user interface. But the back end of the computer is actually run. It's all run uh, with command line. So every now and then, every now and then you have to be able to navigate the back end of a system because you ever you ever got to a point where your computer just won't start? It won't start. And you don't know why? Well, there's ways you can go into the command line interface and fix it. But if you don't know if you're if it if you and you see that black screen, you you panic and you're like, "Damn, I don't know what to do." You know, you you just won't be able to get very far technically. The you got to go from graphical user interface to, uh, to being comfortable with the back end of, of any system, of, of Windows systems, and of Linux systems. That's what I mean by the back end of it. Um, and maybe that's not the right terminology, but what I mean is, is graphical user interface, um, uh, is a command line interface. Once you learn that, I mean, there's other things too that like the registry keys and all that kind of stuff. You know, the thing is for GRC type stuff that I do, I don't really have to go that deep into it. I know, I know about it. I can navigate in there. I can copy files if I need to, which I, I rarely do. But knowing, I'm saying like the basics of IT, you should be, you should know what it is, and you should be able to navigate in there. You should do, be able to do basic things in the back end of a Windows system. Basic things. And the the more you know about IT, the more you'll know what I mean by back end of it because it's not just command line interface. There's things that you can do in the back, in the, behind the scenes of Windows to fix it, to back it up, to make users, to, to remove malware. You can reboot the system in safe mode and then remove viruses off of it. And that's like doing stuff in the back end of the of windows. Uh, let me see if there are any other questions. If you don't know what Chmod and Chon mean, you don't belong in cybersecurity. Um, that's kind of what, what we're getting at, like um, making modifications and changing ownership. Um, on systems, basic basic things are information technology type stuff that you should build on. Like that's knowledge that you should, you should begin to build up that knowledge base to where you can um, you can do things. You'll be a more effective cybersecurity person if you know stuff like that because you'll it'll just make more sense to you because all you're doing is doing you're you're helping to do access controls. And it becomes less of a, just a theory to you, access controls, and, and more of a, a practical use. So then when, then when you're talking to the technical guys, you know exactly what, they, what they're talking about and exactly what they need to do. But all of that's based off of you having a very solid foundation as an IT person, information technology. How do computers work? How do, how do we change the ownership of a file? What, what is a file? How do we define a file? where does it sit on the on the storage is, what is the difference between storage and memory and and the cpu what is the difference how do they work together those are basic information technology things that once you know that it becomes you become a more effective cybersecurity person cuz you know that you need to protect all those components and you know how they're supposed to work together so if something happens weird you're like okay what's going on with this and it's not always you that's going to find that It's usually not gonna be you. It's gonna be somebody on the team that finds that, and then you guys can put your heads together and say, okay, well, maybe it's this. But if you don't understand the basics of information technology, you won't be able to contribute to that to that talk, you know. So that's kind of where I'm going at with the foundation of of IT. Okay, I'm not gonna take that one. um just spin up a linux vm on vmware or oracle virtual box and learn linux yeah that's another way to do it they even i think they even have some some things you can do on the internet to where there's a virtualized yeah actually check this out you can do it on um chat 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 gpt has a linux emulator you can emulate linux on chat gpt you could tell Linux to copy Red Hat, you could say, Linux act as I mean, you could say, you could have you could say chat GPT act as a Red Hat box. When I type the at symbol, and then uh, allow me to navigate a, uh, a, a emulation of a, of a Linux system, and it'll do it. And then you can start practicing all kinds of commands there. You could tell it, hey, tell me the top five commands that I need to know for Linux. But the best thing you can do, though, is load it up for yourself using a VM, a virtual uh, machine like VMware was my one of my favorites to use. But there's also free versions of it as well. So you got a lot of different things you can do. There's really no excuse to do it. The only thing is time. The, your time and efforts <clears throat> is, is really what's valuable here because you can now find it anywhere for free and it's just it's just your time and and that's it's your time is very valuable valuable in this so if you go this route like be ready because it's, it's going to take some of your time to learn it um i completed my master's degree and i think i already read that one okay i think i went through a lot of those hack the box is a good one yeah hack the box is great great resource hack the box try hack me as another place you can go if you're trying to learn pen testing type stuff um let me see if there's any man i got the last piece of the holy trinity security plus what's next security plus is a great certification it's very marketable um, do you have experience, real Thomas? Do you have experience in IT? I'll, what's your next step is based off of where you're at. Um, because if you if you have no experience, I would say your next step is to do whatever you can to get that experience. Apply for entry-level positions in your local area. You know, put on your resume. Yeah, I have a, I have a security plus start building up from there now if you have experience um now you want to tighten up your resume and put it everywhere and and start leveling up uh, from one from one job to another wherever you happen to be use that security plus as leverage to to get a higher paying position is what i would say thoughts on wgu man wgu is going some great marketing because i get this question every every week Couple times a week. Thoughts on WGU. I'm getting my BS in cyber and information assurance. Um, I think WGU is fire. I think it's I think it's real good. Any kind of any kind of accredited uh, college degree is going to be very, very helpful to you in this field. So I say congrats. Keep going with it. I w- The only thing I would encourage you to do is get experience before you even get that degree. Don't wait. Don't be like, okay, when I get my degree, you know, looking at your calendar. Okay, how I got eight months left. You know, <laughs> get it. Try to get a position now. Like, try to get, try to work for WGU if you can. Try to do internships. Try to do apprenticeships to get the experience on your, on your resume right now. So that way, when you get the cert, when you get that degree. That bachelor's degree, you also can put your experience on there as well. Do projects with it. If WGU has some kind of a project thing that they you can volunteer and, and help out, or if they have any kind of B2B, um, some colleges will have like a some sort of um program that they have with local companies, like they'll have they'll have a some sort of a thing with DuPont and they'll say, Send me all your information assurance students because we want them to learn with us we want some of their we want them to work with us and we're also going to do some on-the-job training that's the kind of stuff that you could put on your resume so yeah you, that's the kind of stuff i would encourage you to do in wgu the a degree is great it's it's really really great especially you as an engineer you're becoming an engineer right um so it's great to have that but the experience is really what they want you to be able to hit the ground running when you get out of college so you want to start getting that as much um experience as you can right now all right let me see i got some questions over here on youtube real quick for those getting into grc your grc knowledge will be based on what sector you work in if you're u.s federal it's going to be NIST fisma standards and then jay goes on to say for private organizations outside the u.s it can be iso Cobit or SOC, yeah. This is this is actually a great point that um, Jay is bringing up. So for GRC, another important thing is frame, Different frameworks apply to different industries and sectors. And like Jay said, um, in the federal space, it's all based off of the Federal Information System Management Act. I think that's what it's called, the FISMA, and That the FISMA law, I mix it up because it goes modernization. They have two different ones, one's from 2002 and one's from 2014. So it's kind of like I am it up in my head. So anyway, (laughs) FISMA um, is the law that the federal government said, "Okay, if you have a federal system, if you're processing federal information, if you are transmitting federal information, yea, verily, all systems must do X, Y and Z. It's like a set of rules is what a framework means. That's all it is. Now in a sector like a uh, financial sector they have something called Sarbanes-Oxley. Sarbanes-Oxley was started when that guy that helpful young man named Bernie Madoff uh stole a bunch of money and damn near you know and we keep stole billions of dollars and so the federal organization said oh man like this okay we got to f- figure out a way to protect organize federal we got to figure out a way to protect financial institutions so they set all these laws to say, okay, it's not just IT stuff. It's a bunch of fiduciaries, a bunch of financial laws. But in among all those hundreds of uh, financial laws, they also have a set of con- uh, cybersecurity control laws in Sarbanes-Oxley. And so if you work in a bank, if you work in a trust fund organization or some kind of fintech organization, that where they're trading stocks or they're holding people's money or whatever, you might be subject to something called Sarbanes Oxley, which has a set of rules that everyone who's doing that stuff needs to needs to comply with. Another set of rules that's in GRC is called um, in retail, and re- the retail industry has PCI compliance. PCI compliance was started by Mastercard, Visa, Discover, and all those organizations. They all came together and they said look we have to protect our clients data so we're going to make these laws these security best practices and that anybody who ha- who's taking people's credit card information they must do these they must do x y and z so grc if you're doing compliance and frameworks compliance especially the compliance portion of grc um if whatever industry you're in that is how they determine what framework um, that they're going to use so healthcare uses hipaa and they use a uh, HIT tr- high trust or whatever it's called um, you've got that one and you've got um, sarbanes oxley in the in the financial sector you've got fisma and nist 800 in the federal sector and governments the US government in particular. And then if, if you go overseas, if you if you go to another country, they have to actually have their own countries of frameworks. Now, what's beautiful about this is that if you know one, you kind of know them all. Like you, if you know one, you're gonna be very familiar with it. You'll be able to pick up another one very quickly. I'll put it to you that way. So um, I'm not saying like if you can automatically get hired doing um ISO 27001 if you know PCI compliance. Not necessarily, but if you put it on your resume, you might get approached by somebody who, who says, okay, we want, we need you to do, we see that you do PCI compliance. We need you to do ISO 27001. Could you do this? I know this because I've been approached for stuff like that. So <laughs> a lot. So um, that's, Jay, thanks for that information, man. That's great stuff. Uh, PCI DSS is for uh, FinTech too. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. Any payment processors need to abide by PCI DSS. Yep, you're absolutely right. And then uh, Jay says Europe has ENISA, NCAF for their frameworks. And they also also use 27001 and a couple of other frameworks. Uh, Australia has their own framework that's based off of a combination of NIST and uh, ISO 27001. Um, I think South Africa has their own. I think New Zealand has one that's very similar and adjacent to the Australia one. Uh, I'm sure Canada has one. They they definitely have one. The Germans have their own. Like every, organi- every, every province, most nation states who are very well-developed, they will have some sort of framework. And if they don't, they'll piggyback off of one that's most of them actually piggyback off of one that's already existing. In fact, the US based theirs off of one that the that they the Brits had, um, I believe. I believe the first one that they had was based off of the one that the Brits had. And I don't remember off the top of my head what it was called. But um, so yeah, at this these frameworks are very important and um they they pay very well if you know them. I think Canada has Pineda, a uh, PIP P I P E D A. Um, I think I'm going to get my CISSP. I have three years of IT experience and a little over one year of security. My bachelor's will waive the year um, requirement. That's great. Yeah. CISSP is a fire certification. It's one of is it's a certification that had a huge impact on my bottom on my money. Um it's it's one of those certifications, one of the few certifications I could point to and say that right there contributed to me making 15 to 20 percent more money a year. I mean I could literally <laughs> and then another thing is so many more people contact me based off of CISP. The federal organizations know what it is around the world um different industries that I named you know from financial sector to retail they all know what the cisp it's just it's a gold standard because everybody knows where it is um so it's it's a very good certification for money like it's not like ccna like if you know if if you pass a ccna there's no doubt in anybody's mind you know how to back up a router or a switch for from cisco uh, but CISSP, you can't point to any one thing and say, OK, I know that this guy knows how to do X, Y and Z because <laughs> it's just too broad. Um, it's very, very broad. You you, at the very least, I guess you'll you'll know that the person knows how to take a test. Well, <laughs> but and uh, also has a broad knowledge of cybersecurity, of course, um, but it's it's a great, great certification, man. It's, it's if you're at that point where you're ready, do it. It absolutely and the, another one that's equivalent would be C, um, CISA, CASP, CASP, and then probably like C risk, like those, all of those kind of hover in the same like they're people know what it is, they're marketable, they're all professional level certs, or very close to. Um, a lot of times, if an organization doesn't take, if, if you don't have a CISP but you have a CASP they'll take that casp if you don't, if you don't have a casp they but they need one but you have a cisp they'll take that so cisp is just like it's a very very good certification highly recommend it if you're ready for it not for everybody not this is not for entry level people it's for people who've been in for a while who've been doing the do, been doing this maybe have a couple certifications already and is ready and they're ready to take it i'm active duty air force working on my computer science degree. What are the best certifications I can add to that? Um, I would I would base that off of your experience. Like if when you were in active duty, did you do IT? All right, so I'm not sure if you're gonna answer this, so I'll answer it for you. So I would say like this, if you're entry level, let's say you were fuels, you were in the Air Force and you were, you did fuels or you did like I did uh, my first job in the Air Force, which was a cop. I was a 3POX1 um, security guard and slash law enforcement. And if you get a degree in computer science and you want a certification but you have no experience, I would say go entry level certification because you don't have experience. You So you still need to learn stuff. So you're gonna have to get into an entry level. Now, if you did, if you were in the Air Force and you were an IT guy, if you were a 3D, I don't know what they call it now. It's like three delta or something. I don't, when I was in, it was a three COX one. But now that you're doing it, I don't, you know, I don't know the MOSs. I don't know the. I think it's a three three delta or something. If you did that for the time you were in the active duty Air Force, man, either you do a Security Plus or a CISP. Yeah, just go straight straight for a CISP or a Security Plus. Those will be the best, most marketable cybersecurity certifications that you can't go, you can't go wrong with them. Um yeah, o- only other thing I'll say is if you were like specialized in the Air Force, like if you were like a pen tester in the Air Force, then you probably want to get a pen testing certification. CEH pays pretty good. It's not very respected among hackers. Um, uh, me even saying that might get my ass hacked. From hackers, <laughs> but it's it's a very marketable certification. So that would be a good one. The top of the food chain would be an OSCP certification if you were specializing in that. So there's specializations that you can do that would be based off of uh of what you were doing in cybersecurity. I hope that helps. Um let me see here. I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna call it quits here real soon, guys. But I got a couple more questions in me. Somebody asked me what, what's your current role in the industry? So first of all, the industry I'm in is the government. Um, I'm in the, I'm in a three-letter organization in the government, and um, I'm, a, I'm called an information system security officer. So what I do is make sure that. Overall, I'm helping to manage the security posture of the or of the system, of a system that I manage. So to put that in plain English, we we have an idea of where all of our assets are, right? We have an idea of what we we know we have a big list of like the baseline. We know what what systems are there we know that they're all linux systems we know that there's 500 of them at 15 locations we're monitoring them all the time we know that there's certain patches on them and all of them are at the certain patch level we know that there's vulnerabilities but we're working on fixing those so it has a certain baseline of security that we're that we're willing to to live with and so this is an ongoing constant job because what can happen at any time is like the vendor, let's say Red Hat, says, hey, we're changing. We're going to update all of our operating systems and all the old ones are going to be obsolete. And you got until eight months to fix those things. So we send out our system engineers to go. Our uh, system analysts, uh, system administrators to go and fix those. They update the system and now they got to put patches on them. And then there's patches always coming in. New new vulnerabilities. V- vulnerabilities are being found. Um, new threats are out there that exploit certain parts of our Red Hat systems. Um, maybe one of our sites goes down and we got to figure out why, and what happened. Maybe we find out there was malware and we have to figure out I'm part of the team. that says, OK. OK, what happened? How did it go down? How can we remove that? Uh, so a lot of times what I do mostly is coordination. So I'll be coordinating with the system administrators, the guys in the field touching the system. I'll be coordinating with the network guys. Um, I'll be coordinating with the system analyst guys who are constantly monitoring everything and managers, upper level managers and mid tier managers. I'm co- constantly coordinating with them. On all these systems, let's say we have 1,500 systems and we have to manage all those and make sure that the risk level is something that we can all live with. Because the last thing we want is one of the systems to get exploited, has a hole in it because we didn't update it, we didn't patch it. And so now it's it has a virus and that virus spreads to other systems or something like that. So my main job is to coordinate with s- stakeholders. I do a lot of meetings. It's a lot of it's a lot of analyzing lots and lots of data of what's going on in the entire environment because I'm on this huge environment. So that's mainly what I do. And it's all of this stuff is in line in line with something called the risk management framework process. And we're constantly monitoring all those systems and making sure that they that they have a certain level of security. That's on them. It's not just patching because I don't I'm not actually a person patching, but I might be the one who people contact because they'll say, hey, is this patch? What's going on with this? Can we install this? I'll be even sometimes the users of contact will be in contact with me and say, hey, is it OK if we put this new application on there? And then I have to figure out, OK, is this something that's in line with our security policy? So that's the kind of stuff that I do. It's a lot of coordination i work as a security risk analyst i want to be a SME on risk um do i need to write a uh, cisa before C risk? i don't know i think i'm out of the loop on this one I don't, i'm not sure what you would need to i work for i work as a security analyst and i want to be a subject aren't you already do you mean i think maybe i'm losing the context of your question do you mean you want to be a risk management, a risk management type person or because it sounds like you're already a subject matter expert on risk because you do security risk analyst work. And then I don't know what you mean by do you do I need to write CISA before C-Risk? Is that two different questions or I'm I'm confused? Um. If you if you're cyber in the Air Force, man, you can do anything. (laughs) I'm trying to do cyber career change have security plus do I need to start with help desk? Yes. It's a good start. Help desk is a very good start. It's a very good way to get hands on. It's a very good way to um, it's, it's it's weird. I'm seeing like gurus saying, don't do help desk, like just go straight into cybersecurity analyst work. Just go straight into ISO work. Just go straight into being a um, cyber a network engineer. You, you could go. You could try it. I'm not saying, you know, don't. You know, I'm just saying the best, the most effective way to know this, to get in this field and master it i think it's a start from the bottom and uh, i'm only saying this because that's what i did i worked on because the thing is you when you're on help desk you might learn that you don't want to do cybersecurity. you might learn that you want to do you you take to doing network engineering better you might find that you like customer service you might like that better if you start off from the bottom, it and I, don't, I know this is not stuff people want to hear. You want to hear that you can just come here and make six figures doing hacking or some shit, and and work from home. Like not everybody has that life, man. That's it's actually pretty rare. Um, I'm not saying you can't do it, but I don't I don't, I know of one person who's doing that, and he's on TikTok. That Chris guy. That guy did it. He did it within like a year. He went to WGU. He got his OSCP, um, studies his ass off. That's a hard search, by the way. He got a master's degree from WGU. And then within one year, he got a six figure job working from home, traveling the world. That's hella hard. It's hella hard. And I think he was already a geek. I want to say he already had some skills before he went in so i don't know where he started but if i had to guess i'd say he was already a geek he was already doing some stuff or right? he's already an it guy but the people who are talking to me are coming from like retail or hotel rent management or nursing or they were a teacher and they're trying to get into this and i'm telling you 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 got to learn the basics first you got to learn basic information technology and it whether you do that in school in a college while you're working on your degree, or you do that in a community college, or you do it on your own self study, or you got your security plus or whatever, the help desk is going to help you to figure out what you wanna do and also gather experience. You're doing cybersecurity stuff as you're on the help desk, but you guys gotta know what to put on your resume. All sec- all security stuff, you wanna highlight that, put on your resume. Whenever you're doing putting security patches on there, you're doing um signatures for antivirus, you're turning on audit logs, you're turning this is all basic stuff I repeat all the time. But that stuff right there is what you want on your resume. You gotta start from somewhere. And not everybody can be TikTok Chris and uh and be a hacker and a master's degree and then in, in in a year get six figures. That's not I think he already had those skills. There's another person, and she's um She's making like three hundred thousand or something stupid, you know, and I see her all the time and she's a government. She did. She's been doing the government. She'll like go overseas and make like that tax free money and stuff. And she's on on here. She's really big doing talking about stuff I'm talking about. And um, she'll be like, don't go. Don't do a plus certification. Don't. And then when she talks about her background, she's like, oh, yeah, you know, I was a programmer. You know, I, I programmed and um, I started programming for this company and then I found that at age 19 that I could go overseas. So I did. I'm like, yo, that's not everybody's story right there. Not everybody's a freaking 19 year old ha- um, coder. You know, what I mean? <laughs> it's not everybody's doing that. You know, most of us are in the struggle, like most of us are in the trenches. We got kids and shit. We got we're 30, 40 years old and we're like, damn, you know, I've been doing this career, this Cost of living in the U.S. is stupid. Meanwhile, my buddy over here is doing cyber security, making six figures. That's what I want to do. That's most of the people who contact me are that's their that's and yeah, you can do this, but you got to start off knowing it stuff. I guarantee you that that the lady who did, I can't remember her name, but um, she's a real sharp person, and I'm not knocking her or anything, I'm just saying everybody's not like her. So, um, anyway, every like if if that's not you like you're not a coder you're not uh oscp hacker chris who got a master's degree in a year and uh got an oscp here and then is now making six figure travel in the world if that's not you and you got kids and you got a life look there's still a path for you all right? because i this is me like i had a kid when i did all this stuff i had i was in the military working full time i it was not easy. It was very hard, um, but I I went and I got my degree. Um, while I was working, I I got certifications too. Man, it was I had nights when I could didn't get sleep because my kid was like you know, um, eight months, so sometimes wouldn't go to sleep through the night. Man, it was rough. But if I can do it, you can do it too. So i'm just telling you you got to start off from the beginning from the from the bottom like which is help desk tech basic technical jobs start there build your resume up then go on to the Um, if you want to go for it go for a ccna go for um those other mid-tier ceh and then try to get a job somewhere you could try it but i'm telling you the best way to do it is start off where you are that's just my advice. All right, I'm about to get off here real soon, guys. I really appreciate all the questions. Thanks so much. Um, so Mike Chris on LinkedIn on Indeed says, um, "Sir, do you have any hands on desk hands on desk practical? I don't know what you mean by that." Do you have any hands-on? Do you mean do I have any hands-on practical teaching for GRC? I don't. I'm thinking about making a some course that that's more hands-on. Um, and another question. Oh, this is the same person. Um, do you have a hand-on desk? Do I have a hands-on desk? Uh, hands-on. Cybersecurity practical. No, I don't. I don't have a hands on practical cyber. I think I know what you mean. You mean like, do I have like a hands on course that you can learn cybersecurity? I don't. But there's a couple that are out there. Cybersecurity is a very broad field. And if you're trying to do I know there's a couple for pen testing. Um, There's one called hack the box and then one called uh, try hack me. And um, those are practical cybersecurity pen testing sites that you can go to that are like literally you're typing in, you're learning stuff as you go. Um, Let me see. Other ones you can do, you can set things up at home. What a lot of people do is set up a lab in their house. And they'll they'll say, for example, they'll set up like a Linux, uh, an environment that has mixed operating systems. They'll uh, they'll set up a network in their house and they'll have a Linux system and they'll have some Windows systems and maybe a Mac system and then have them all communicate and then make one system be like a hacker box, like a, a Kali Linux box. And it hacks the Windows box is one of the things that people will do. And you don't even have to have a separate actual system. Like I'm not talking about you have a PC one, two and three. You can do this virtually. You can do like a virtual system on VMware. Is a tool. Type in, look up VMware. Search VMware. It's it's not cheap. It's like two hundred dollars a year or something like that. But it is it's my one of my favorite virtual machine systems. Another one's VirtualBox from Oracle, and I think that one might be free. And there's a couple of other ones. Another thing you can do for having hands-on type stuff is uh, is ChatGPT actually. So ChatGPT has an emulator inside of it you just tell you just tell chat gpt to emulate that environment that you want whichever whatever it is and it can do it it can do it It can do a lot of it mostly command line type stuff but it's not gonna have guis popping up it's not gonna be windows you know guis but it can do a lot of back-end like um command line interface stuff like it can emulate a linux system it can emulate any operating system in the last 20 years it can it can emulate um, any, most firewall uh, command line interface, most routers and switch command line interface. It's, GPT is, it's like magic, man. It feels like magic, it's crazy. For uh, learning IT, it's, it's, it's amazing. So I was thinking about doing a course where you have hands-on learning uh, GRC stuff, maybe. Maybe I'll do that when I have more time. <clears throat> Let me see. Built multiple computers. Is that a good start for IT? Doing courses through Google, doing Google courses, uh, good for certification. Um, yes, I would say it's a good. Uh, it's a good way to learn. It's a good way to learn. Uh, that's kind of how I started. Was just messing around building my own computers and stuff. The next step is going to be looking to learn in the common body of knowledge for IT. You'll find the common body of knowledge all over the place for free. You can find it on um, you can find it on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and type in. um, You can type in like basics of help desk. Um, You could type that in. You could type in. Learning help desk basics or you could t- you could type in learning IT basics. You could type in um, you could do that in chat GPT, too, and it'll tell you like a breakdown of every curriculum that you need to know. Um, some certifications have a very good curriculum besides Google, uh, Google support IT certifications. Another good curriculum would be um, Amazon. I mean, not Amazon. Well, actually Amazon's Amazon has a, a really good cloud certification that's entry level called AWS I think it's called is it AWS I don't remember what the name ACP oh man now I'm freaking having a brain fart here Amazon Cloud certification it's called AWS Cloud Trino AWS Cloud Practitioner, ACP. My lord, I totally forgot that. (laughs) AWS Cloud Practitioner. So that's an entry level certification. Another one, Common Body of Knowledge, basic stuff would be, oh man, CompTIA. CompTIA has really good entry level certs. What you're trying to do at this point, Buzz, uh, Buzz, bros, is learn. Like, yes, you know how to build a computer. That's great. Now, you know, components, you know, kind of have an idea how they work. Now, what you want to do is put all that stuff together and learn the, the landscape of I.T. Now you want to get the big picture of what IT is and why there's a whole industry behind it. So you'll get that. And if you go to school, if you go to if you have the opportunity or money or resources and time, to go to a community college or a state college or any kind of accredited college. They're going to give you the landscape of IT. It'll take much longer. It's you got to spend money, all that kind of stuff. And I'm not knocking that. I think it's great. My first job was data entry, temporary. Start where you are, right? I'm not knocking that job. Like start where you are. From data entry, maybe uh, look into database stuff. Like when you're pulling data from somewhere, you're usually pulling it from the cloud or from a database. Maybe learn the back end of wherever you're pulling the data from. That's another thing that you could possibly do. Um, but anyway, so other common body of knowledge that you can go besides college, accredited college would be certifications. You say you already have a Security Plus. That's great. I think you said you have a Security Plus. Let me see. I think you said that. Did you say that? Did you say that? Or am I mixing you up with somebody else? No. What... Okay, so Security Plus, if you don't already have it, is also a good um, CompTIA A-plus and Security Plus. I would recommend one of those. A-plus, if you really don't know anything about, if you know very little besides building computers, A-plus. Like, look through the curriculum and you'll know whether or not you want to do it. But Security Plus, very marketable, very good certification. So that's another Place you can get common body of knowledge. Um, let me see. Where else can you get it? You're you're on the right path, though, because you already have an IT job. You're already building your own computer, you're doing your own self-study, you're going the right path. You got the Google IT certification. Keep going. Keep going. I would recommend getting something a little bit more marketable as far as certifications. Google. IT support is not very, is not as marketable, I should say. It's not, it's not, I'm not saying it's a bad certification, okay? Um, I'm saying it's not as marketable as something like a Security Plus. CompTIA Security Plus is a very marketable certification. Um, that's a marketable certification. I would say, I would argue A Plus is more marketable than Google IT support. More people know what it is. Um more people know what the CompTIA A plus is. Um, what other things can you do from here? Yeah, I would say that's probably the way to go. It depends on what where you want to go with it. You know, do you have any idea like what direction you want to go with your IT career? Because depending on where you want to go, best hands on certs. It's probably going to be the OSCP, OSCP, which is a hacker certification, OSCP, CCNA, CCNP. Those are all like interactive certs. But those are different branches of 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 uh, of IT. CCNA is a is a network certification. That's a vendor level cert. Um, A. Comp, uh, OSCP is a, is a hacker certification, but it's very, very hands-on. Pure, it's 100% hands-on, if I'm not mistaken. How important is using Python in cyber? You, um, It depends on the job description. Some jobs require that you know Python. I haven't had a job that required it. Um, if you know it, it's very, very, very useful um, in a lot of jobs. Like, in, for example, in my job right now, I'm not required to know it. But if I knew Python, sometimes I get these gigantic spreadsheets and Python would allow me to take those spreadsheets and put them together or, or do some something else with the data. So Python is very good to know. But as far as a job, like getting a job, it depends on the job description. Like if the job description requires Python, then it's very important to your job. But if it doesn't require it, it's useful for me to know. If I knew it, I don't know it, but not not necessary, you know. So a lot and a lot of times, somebody on my team will know Python or know scripting or whatever is needed, and then I'll say, "Hey man, could you <laughs> could you do X, Y, and Z?" They'll you know, use Python or whatever, you know. So, um, how important is Python to cyber? Cyber is a very big field, so not all. <laughs> Parts of cyber will require Python is is what I would say. All right, guys, I think that's it. Um, I've been talking for about two hours now. I really appreciate you guys. um, And everything that everybody, all the comments and and stuff. Great, great questions. Great session. Appreciate it. I'll try to do this tomorrow if I can put some time in on this thing. Uh, So be watching for that. If you guys didn't know, right now i've got a great deal on a book that i just wrote if you're interested in cybersecurity at all check it out it's on link is in description it's like 99 cents it was free last week That's what i do to launch my books i'll put them out for free if you happen to be on my newsletter i'll give it to you for free sometimes i'll be like hey joe here's a free book man check it out could you give me a review And I'll just do it just for people to give me a review. And sometimes people will be like, they'll read my book and be like, hey, man, there's a mistake on page five. (laughs) Like, oh, okay, my bad. I'll I'll fix that. So um, that's it, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks for watching. And I will see you guys hopefully tomorrow.